Hello and welcome to Yesterday Ended. I'm your host, Dennis Dobbin. Thanks for joining me again today. There are many fascinating documentaries that show us the inner workings of things. It is amazing what man has come up with in technology and industry. But the most fascinating working device on the planet is your brain. And man can't take credit for that. Mankind has forever been trying to figure it out. Today, we will take a simple look at our brains to help us move forward in our journey of life. Onward! When machines don't work correctly, the knee-jerk reaction for many of us is to hit it. I'm glad I didn't keep a hammer in my room when I got my first computer. But what about our brains, which is a metaphor for our minds? They get banged up pretty easily, which is regular use. Forget about hammers. A simple word can damage our minds with ease. Consider my words today in my poem entitled, Workings of the Mind. When I think a thought, I have to think of what I bought, and have I been caught, hook, line, and suckered. I have thought I was thinking only to find I was blinking, the neurons not linking, I was blinded by a lie. Woven into my soul, taking a mortal toll, words and phrases that stole a heart designed to love. Underneath my skin, the guile begins to seep deep within, distorting and betraying again and again my faith and hope and trust. These thoughts carried me away, a chain captive every day, but for my release Jesus did pay his gift of freedom for all. Focused and centered on this one, now my life is one, no longer adrift, but in the sun, I think a new thought through him. How is it that our minds work? Within our minds, we see images. I say mother, and you see in your mind's eye an image of your mommy. When I say mouse, you can either see a small furry little rodent or a device attached to your computer, but you don't see a word spelled M-O-U-S-E floating around inside your head. All the images in your mind's eye are connected with a word. Words then make up our thoughts. From our thoughts come feelings or emotions. These emotions stir us up to make decisions, and then once we have decided a thing, we act on it. If we have enough actions in the same area, they become habits. Our habits will develop over time into what we call character. Our character then will determine the destiny of our life, and it all started with a word. Many years ago, in working on my book, Every Thought of the Heart, I did a study on the word heart. There are two Hebrew words dominantly translated heart, and one Greek word always translated heart. And between the three of them, there's 1,005 verses. It took me 51 weeks to study, categorize, and boil down the heart of the matter. One of the verses I discovered during that time was in Ezekiel 38.10, and it shows us the process of thought into action. Verse 10, Thus saith the Lord God, It shall also come to pass that at the same time shall things come into thy mind, and thou shalt think an evil thought. And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take a spoil and to take a prey. 
So here in this section of scripture, we see a process. Things shall come into thy mind, and thou shalt think a thought. Oddly enough, this word things, in its over 1,400 uses, 807 of them, it's translated words. So words come into thy mind, and thou shalt think a thought. So thoughts are made up of words. And you think a thought. And it could be a good, but this one unfortunately is evil. And then you make a decision. And thou shalt say, I will go up. You make a decision based on your thought. And then from that decision, you make an action. And here, the action was to take a spoil, to take a prey. So what words are coming into your heart? Jesus warned us in Mark 4.24 to take heed to what we hear. So what are we listening to? In Proverbs 12.18, it says, There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. So again, what are we listening to? Again, in Psalm 64, verse 3, it says, talking about some uh, unpleasant people, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words. To wet means to sharpen. (laughs) They sharpen their tongue. We've heard that statement before. A person has a sharp tongue. It's not pleasant. So God's word is training us for reigning. The world's words are training us for draining. We must ever be filled with the truth. It says in 1 Corinthians 15.33, Be not deceived. Evil communications, meaning the company you keep, corrupt good manners, corrupts your ethics. So, what are we listening to? I don't want to advocate that we stick our heads in the sand or hide from what's going on in life, but we need to be vigilant. I will always remind you that you're in a battle. And 2 Corinthians 10, which we've looked at many times, in verses 4 and 5, remind us of that. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Imagination comes from the Greek word, which means to reason. If I do this, I'll get that. But sometimes our reasonings can be faulty. We are instructed in Ephesians chapter 4 to put off the old man and his conversation, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. Here we see that we can have desires that are deceitful. They don't make sense. They have tricked and beguiled us into thinking that it's something that we need. For many years, I tried to figure out why I was doing certain things, only to finally recognize That I'd been tricked. You can call it being tricked, beguiled, or deceived, but it's all a twisting of reality and truth. We think we are looking at reality, but it has been changed, and the eyes of our understanding have been blinded. Back in the fourth stanza, I say, Underneath my skin, the guile begins to seep deep within, distorting and betraying again and again my faith and hope and trust. Our old man nature was corrupt, and it was done so by the trickery, the deceit of the devil. 
There's an interesting section of scripture in Isaiah 44 where a man chops down a tree, makes a fire, cooks his meat and his bread, and then takes a chunk of wood and makes an idol and bows down to it. That, that sounds really smart. Well, God says in verse 20, He feedeth on ashes. A deceived heart hath turned him aside, that he cannot deliver his soul, nor say, Is there not a lie in my right hand? Only by looking at the truth that is in Jesus will we uncover the lies and the deceit that has seeped into our lives. To know the truth, the genuine, you have to study it. Bank tellers do not study counterfeit bills to be able to spot them. They study the real thing. So what are we looking at? How about looking at Jesus, Hebrews 12, 2? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what are you looking at? The word looking means to look away from all else and only unto one point. Get the idea? We need to look at Jesus. He needs to be the center of our focus. And only by looking at him, who is the way, the truth, and the life, will we be able to uncover the darkness that has crept into our lives. Back in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus makes a great invitation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We will all have pressures in life. The question is where, or to whom, do we go when the pressure is on? Jesus doesn't lie to us or sugarcoat things. He actually warned us in John 16.33 that we would have tribulation. But he said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Troubles will come, but Jesus invites us to come to him for rest. He tells us what seems to be crazy. While we are laboring and heavy laden, he wants us to put on another yoke but it's his yoke. And the truth is, we're trading the heavy yoke of the world for his yoke, which is light. It's easy. When we take the time to put his yoke upon us and learn of him, we'll receive rest. Stop and think about this privilege to be actually harnessed right next to Jesus, who will walk with you in all the challenges of your life. You are not laboring by yourself. You are laboring with Jesus. He is with you now. My words have come into your mind. Now what thought will you think? I remember as a teenager coming home from high school one day and thinking, Wow, I thought about God a lot today. I also remember years ago coming home from my workshop after a long day of building cabinets and realizing, oh, hi God, I had become so immersed in my work, I hadn't said a word to him all day. So what are you focused on? What are you feeding on? What are you allowing into your heart? 
What are we doing to train ourselves to walk in the Spirit? What does your prayer life look like? And your time of worship? How about reading the Word regularly? And just simple time to spend with the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. These are all to our benefit. It's time to take a checkup from the neck up and consider the workings of our mind.